welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. My guest for this episode is Cole Pauls. Cole's book, Quandor, won the 2023 Roderick Haig Brown Regional Prize. On this episode, Cole talks about where he finds inspiration and why he enjoys working with youth. Here's my conversation with Cole Pauls. Okay, so my very, very first question for you, and it can sometimes be the hardest one. The question is, who are you? Uh, hi, my name is Cole Pauls. I am a Teltan First Nation and Champagne-Ajac citizen. I am from the Wolf Clan, and uh, I grew up in Haines Junction, Yukon. And um, I live in Vancouver now. I have uh, went to Emily Carr, stayed in Vancouver after graduating, and I've just been making comics ever since. Awesome. How long have you been in Vancouver, Cole? It's uh, 11 years this month. Oh, wow. Yeah. How are you finding Vancouver these days? Um, I mean, I love the city. There's like a really cool comics community here. And that's why I I, was a big reason why I moved here. But yeah, like all my friends and uh, yeah, my people are here now. You know, like I've really grounded myself into Vancouver after 11 years. And I really can't imagine anywhere else at this point yeah something i really loved about quandor and am i pronouncing that correctly yeah quandor yep okay is that it kind of gives a taste of haynes junction and watson lake and nine mile camp um and i've i've been to whitehorse but i've never been to haynes junction can you describe a little bit that community oh yeah so when you drive into junction it looks like you're going into a postcard. The mountains and the trees are so perfect, and everything looks so like a, like a movie set almost. Like it looks too good. Like living there as a kid, and tourists would stop by, they'd pull over and they'd go, Those are wood cutouts, right? Like, they wouldn't believe us that those mountains are, like, authentic and the trees are authentic and everything looks so perfect. Um, So when I say when you go to Junction and you drive into a postcard, it's like, picture a postcard perfect small town and then times that by, like, 10. And that's what you have. That's what Junction looks like. It's, It's, like, the most gorgeous small town you've ever been to. Yeah. What do you miss most about being there? Um, I guess the the immediacy of having my community just there and available for me. Because, you know, at this point, I, I email people or I phone people. And, you know, sometimes it takes a couple days for people to reply to their email or sometimes people will answer their phone. But in Junction, you know, it's it's a small town. So it's it's still pretty normal to, um you know, just walk over and say hi or, 
drive over across town just to drop off some food for somebody, you know, it's like, um, yeah, so I guess the community is what I miss the most. Yeah. Now, for those who haven't seen or read Quandor, which uh, just like a couple weeks ago won the Roderick Haig Brown Regional Prize, can you describe the book for our listeners? Yeah, I would define it as a short story collection or sort of like a one-person anthology. It's a collection of short stories that I wrote for magazines or websites or different anthologies. And a lot of those times, you know, those projects, they only get the one-time printing. And, or, you know, it was posted on the website and shared a couple times, but it's been a year now. So is anyone clicking that link still? I'm not sure. So I thought it was a good idea to collect all those drawings and comics that I created for different gallery shows and stuff like that. And kind of give everything a second life. Um, and then when I was collecting the book, everything was starting to fall into place with like the chapter's themes and the coloring. Um, so I started color coding the chapters, kind of making it more obvious when, you know, a theme has changed into a different story. And I think the coloring really adds to that. And and what I really enjoyed, too, is at the end of the book, you showed some of the sketches and kind of original looks at what the art would have been. Uh, why did you decide to show that in the book? Oh, yeah, that's just my favorite part of every book, personally. Um, I love it when I finish a book and the last like couple pages are kind of just like a behind the curtain reveal of, you know, the, the artist process or the person's um you know how they thought and how they created their work and it kind of gives you a a tease into like how their creative uh juices flow and how their brain processes things and being an illustrator you know like i find that really valuable when i open up a book and i find other illustrators showing their sketches because you know it's like uh it's like a reveal of like, oh, so you draw a face with the eyes first, but I draw a face with the nose first, or maybe I draw a face with the mouth first. Um, so, you know, there's always a million different ways to start a project, but it's always interesting to see what each artist has done to do their project, you know? Yeah. It was interesting, too, to see the different form that some of the comics took in, in their original state, because there was the one uh, I saw, in, and I'm... I'm going to forget the title, but where you had made one of those like pe zine style comics with one piece of paper. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole chapter that are one page mini comics that I reformatted to be traditional comic pages. Um, and it's, I think it's the biggest chapter in the book. It's like 33 pages or something like that. Um, yeah, I really like that ch that chapter too. I call it the Hyde Brown chapter because I swiped three different colors of brown from like moose hide. Yeah. And then I colored the comic pages with those three colors of brown. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been involved with the zine and comic community for a long time. How has that impacted your approach to like illustrating and making comics? 
Uh, yeah, I've been self-publishing for half my life. I just turned 30. I self-published my first zine when I was 15 in high school. And um, I think, you know, self-publishing has taught me the discipline to finish a project on my own, you know, with or without support. So, you know, when you're making your zine and you're doing it all on your own and you're doing it as a passion project, um, when you complete it, you know, it's kind of evidence that you have the power to finish a job and you have the power to complete a project um, with or without anyone's support. And when you, you know, are continuing doing that repeatedly, like, you know, throughout the whole year, um, people will notice, you know, like other publishers will notice, other artists will notice um, that like you will finish the job with or without someone's support. And, um, you know, that's a that's a good thing for, um, you know, a publisher to see because then they'll go, oh, well, this person will finish the project even if they don't have a publishing deal yet. Um, so it kind of just shows that, like, you know, you're reliable and that you're committed to comics. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it also was clear to me when going through the book that you really like you collaborate a lot with other artists. Um, how does that inspire and shape the work you create being in communication with other creative people? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the projects in the book that I've collaborated with, um, <clears throat> they're projects that like kind of required assistance. So I would say like the example, the land back or sorry, not land back, land acknowledgement um, comic that I drew um, for Van, uh, <clears throat> sorry, for VanCaf, the Vancouver Comics Arts Festival. Um, I, you know, I'm Teltan. I'm a BC First Nation, but I am not a First Nation of Vancouver. So when I got asked to make a land acknowledgement comic for VanCaf, my first thought was, well, I don't have you know, the, this community's blood in me. So I need somebody who is from this community to help write the story with me to make sure that it's correct, to make sure it represents the nations that I'm talking about in a correct way that they want to be represented in. Um, so my first thought was my friend C. Swiss, who's a Squamish herbalist. Um, and, uh, you know, community elder and also just an all around like kick ass person. And um, so when I got given this opportunity to draw the land acknowledgement comic, I need to include traditional views, but also I need to include traditional um, landscapes and all these different ideas I had. So Cease was like the perfect person to ask because, you know, they're they're herbalist and they um have a lot of pride in sharing their knowledge, you know? So I went and had a, a meal with them and we kind of discussed what they expected they wanted in the comic. And I told them what I expected in the comic too. And then uh, like a week later, we had a coffee date where I sketched out my idea and kind of my plan for the comic. And then she added a bunch of her knowledge being like okay well if you're gonna talk about these landscapes um like all these different areas of vancouver pre-contact or during contact 
I'll at least point out all the herbs and all the um, all the um, plants that are in the photos. So we used we looked at all these historical photos, and then I redrew the historical photos in the comic, and then Cease um, listed off all the herbs that would be in those um, territories and what they were used for, and then I illustrated them all. Um, so you know that example. I think is, you know, it's a really good one because it's something that like I I feel confident in executing, but I don't feel totally um I don't feel like it is exactly my place. So, you know, I got someone who is in the community or is from the community and has lived here their whole lives to help collaborate with me to make sure that it is right. And so when, you know, Squamish First Nations uh, people look at the comic, they go, oh, that's right. And I, you know, didn't mess up and I didn't make anyone feel uncomfortable or upset. And, um, you know, we did it right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting in hearing you talking about that because, you know, elsewhere in the in your book, you kind of point at ways it's been done wrong too, where, you know, people aren't, we aren't collaborating with community. And, and one of those ways was obviously the video game um, chapter. Uh, mm. I mean, I love the video, the way video games came into this. I know you're super inspired by video games. I saw a video of you where you had action figures on your wall. Um, so maybe could you talk about the role that video games play in your art, but also the decision to include that chapter? Yeah, so that was um, that was just like another opportunity that was given to me, and I kind of just ran with it. So um, Pinagoc is like this northern organization where they, they run programs for um, northern youth, and um, I believe they're based in Toronto. And um, they run a magazine called Root and Stem. And it's distributed to high schools and elementary schools all across the north. And it's, it's a free uh, magazine. And uh, they were doing, they were working on their latest issue, which was about video games. And specifically, you know, indigenous um, storytelling in video games and just indigenous people in the work workforce in video games um so the big um the big interview in that magazine was uh john romero like the guy who created doom okay um and like kind of his indigenous connection to being a video game developer and doom um and that was super cool so they kind of like invited me to do this project and then they're like oh by the way the creator of doom is being interviewed in the issue. And I was like, Oh my God, that is, that is like kind of a scary thought to be in a magazine with someone so cool. Um, and, uh, I think the, the editor of that magazine saw my together today for our children tomorrow comic that I did for the Gugethi Institute of Montreal. So they saw that comic online and they told me they pretty much wanted me to make a think piece kind of like that, but about video games. And it could be pretty much anything I want, as long as about indigenous people and video games. So um, they told me I could do two to four pages. And I was like, oh, this is a great idea. I could like talk about things I'm really passionate about. I could talk about 
you know, Turok. I could talk about video games I really like that are doing things the correct way, at least in my eyes. So I wrote this script and it was originally supposed to be two pages. But when I thumbnailed it, it ended up being four pages because I wrote so much because it was just like this opportunity came when I had like just a lot of thoughts about the subject. So it was like just kind of like perfect timing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I wrote it, uh, did a lot of research about it and, um, yeah, I'm really happy how it came out. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I mean, it related so well to other like themes that you introduced in the, in the book too, around like cultural appropriation and, um, tattoos. And I think those were just all, it was just so, so interesting to have all, all the different comics kind of layered on top of each other because in a way they do they all speak to each other yeah yeah totally i wanted to talk a little bit about your approach to how you draw and write scripts for comics um i'm really interested in this because i've also had the chance to talk to um michael nickel yachlanis about his uh haida manga and i think it's just so interesting to see how you know, there's a, a way of doing comics with the gutters and all those things, but people are moving that form forward. And, you know, how have you learned to adapt this, the traditional comic style to, to do the work you want it to do? Yes. Yeah, so I, um, I'm an illustrator first and a writer second. So I like to thumbnail my comic like wordless. So a lot of my stories, um, I will write like, through sequential images. Um, so that means I'll draw the characters first. I'll draw the landscapes first. I'll draw pretty much everything but the text. And then I'll draw, you know, panel by panel, kind of like what I want there to be. And then while I'm drawing those um, panels without text, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, what the character could say. But I'm really just trying to find the pacing of the story. Um, and kind of how I want to tell it before I add any text. You know, that's like for a big project, that's what I'd kind of normally do. Um, but for like a smaller project, um, say like my fire comic that's in, in Quander, um, that I did for uh, Prairie Fire, because uh, David Alexander Robertson uh, curated an issue and he invited me. So, that comic, I swiped all the text from uh, the Yukon Native Language uh, website. And uh, so I took all these Southern Toshone phrases about building a fire and building camp. And I collected them all. I just kind of screen capped them. And um, once I collected enough of them, I strung them together. Uh, I kind of rearrange them to make a narrative, essentially, right? So, like, I put the 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 Southern Toshone phrases about building the fire at the beginning, um, and then leading into cooking, and then going to sleep, right? Um, so that story, I wrote it through finding all these like language prompts, and then I rewrote them into a story, and with that, you know, there's pretty much one or two sentences per panel or there's some some of them only have like two sentences on the whole page <clears throat> so that comic was actually it was really quick to plan out because 
all the text was just so like finalized already by the time I um, gathered it all. And I knew, you know, my time or my page limit was 10 pages. So I kind of knew how, like, you know, the, the spacing I had. Um, and then I kind of, you know, just spaced each phrase out per page and tried to make it, you know, flow together. And uh, yeah, so then I'll, <clears throat> once I've inked everything, I'll uh, scan it and then I'll color it and add the dots on Photoshop. Okay. I'd be curious to hear like the, like what influences your, like your aesthetic, I guess would be the word. I'm not a comic artist, so I'm, I'm using probably the wrong language, but um. You know, like, are there comic book artists or illustrators that you're really inspired by? Or is it come from other places like video games or like I know that Pizza Punks had a punk influence? You know, where does where does your approach to the look of your comics and the, the style of your characters come from? Um, I read a lot of manga. Uh, I love um, <clears throat> Japanese comics. I've just been obsessed with them since I was a kid so I've kind of moved from reading shonen like boys comics to now reading like gekiga which is um dramatic comics and um I guess like an artist who I've found a lot of inspiration from lately um is Teo Matsumoto who did uh Tekon Kingcrete or Black and White he also did a comic called Sunny and Number Five. And uh, Sunny is about foster care. It's a really sad story. It's five volumes, but it's a really beautiful story. And um, a lot. <clears throat> my mom was adopted, and I have two adopted sisters. So I like that story really resonated with me. Like a lot, and the artistic style too of Teo Matsumoto is very, very inspiring. Something I wish I could uh, aspire to do. Uh, his his level of inking talent. Who else? Uh, yeah, I'm just like really into researching indigenous comics too, because I'm really curious about the lineage of them and kind of where I sit in that shelf and. Um, I really like to read indigenous comics and, um, you know, it doesn't matter if they're good or bad. I find value in reading them and kind of dissecting them of like why I didn't like them or what I really liked about this one. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do a lot of research into kind of figuring out where I sit in the comics world and where I sit in the indigenous art world. And kind of like where, where I go in between those places. I I know. So I live in Powell River, and I know that you have done two comic camps uh, here for the library, and mm. it sounds like you you work with youth quite a bit. Uh, what do you enjoy m most about working with young comic enthusiasts, and how does it relate to how you approach your own work? Ooh, I my favorite. The thing about it is like um like rotting children's brains about how to make zines 
because <laughs> um, when I I learned how to make a zine when I was fifteen, yeah, or like fourteen, you know, and it like changed my life. I was like, what? You can tell your own stories at home, and there's no like budget limit or like time restraints. So you're just doing it on your own time, and it's done when it's when you want it to be done. Um, so I think if I had that epiphany at like a even younger age. I'd probably be like, you know, twice of a better artist than I am now. Um, so I really value that is knowing that like I'm teaching these kids a skill that I wished I learned in grade one or I wish I learned in, in kindergarten, you know, um, can't imagine not making comics anymore. You know, it's kind of like so ingrained in me that like it's all I know. I couldn't do another job at this point. I can only be a comic artist. <laughs> um, so uh, the fact that kids get to learn the same skills I learned at 14, you know, that's probably what I value most out of it. That was Cole Pauls. Cole won the 2023 Roderick Haig Brown Regional Prize for his book, Quandor. If you would like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.